the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, August the 14th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1457, first book ever printed was published by a German astrologer. His name was Faust. He was thrown in jail while he was trying to sell his books in Paris. You know what the authorities charged him with? Not the content of the books, but the fact that he had so many books that were just alike, they said that was an impossible task. Nobody could have done that. And they charged him with having made a deal with the devil. True story. Today on August 14, 1997, an unrepentant Timothy McVeigh was formally sentenced to death for the Oklahoma City bombing. He was executed by lethal injection in 2001. Today in 1900, international forces, including U.S. Marines, entered Beijing to put down the Boxer Rebellion. The Boxer Rebellion was aimed at purging China of foreign influence. Interesting how foreign influence had to come and save China from their attempt at purging foreign influence. Today, in 1935, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed the Social Security Act into law. Today, in 1945, President Harry S. Truman, he announced that Imperial Japan had surrendered unconditionally, ending World War II. Today, in 1992, the White House announced that the Pentagon would begin emergency airlifts, food to Somalia, to alleviate mass deaths by starvation. America has always been there. Even in countries like Somalia, who plot and plan every calendar day of the year how to bomb or hurt someone in America. Today in 1995, Shannon Faulkner, she officially became the first female cadet in the history of the Citadel, South Carolina. That's South Carolina State Military College. However, after getting in as the first female cadet, Faulkner quit less than a week later. She said the stress is too much, and she said, I feel very isolated among all these male cadets. 2008, today, think about that one for a moment. Today in 2008, President George W. Bush signed consumer safety legislation that banned lead from children's toys, imposing the toughest standard in the world. Oh, that's a good thing. The Sunday after Valentine's Day, this past Valentine's Day, Joe Biden and his wife, Jill, sat in the pew, the first pew, right near the pulpit at the AME Church in North Las Vegas, Nevada. Former Vice President clapped on the beat. He rose when they were supposed to stand up and he laughed when they were supposed to laugh and The message that Sunday morning was, don't stop singing. Of course, Joe Biden was introduced, 
by the pastor to the congregation. And when Joe Biden came to the uh, to the podium, the pastor was pretty pretty charismatic character and uh, very active on the platform and behind the pulpit. So when Joe Biden spoke, stepped up to the pulpit after the preacher had been talking and doing some preaching, he said, Joe Biden said, quote, as we say in my church, while he was showing the sign of the cross, crossing himself as Catholics do, he said, as we say in my church, bless me, Father, I need some help. He went on to make kind of a funny little joke about how that he didn't know how he could follow the act of the pastor. Biden's team has said then and since then, as lately as yesterday, they're saying that they now believe that Joe Biden will make inroads with the white Christian community, including Catholics and white evangelicals, because they're a critical voting bloc, and they helped President Donald Trump to the White House, and now the Biden people believe they're going to help Biden to the White House because Biden is religious and Trump is not. John McCarthy, who works for the Biden campaign, he's a political director, or deputy political director, he told CNN, I think his own faith, speaking of Joe Biden, I think his own faith and values narrative allows us to have inroads into these communities in ways that Democrats might previously not have been able to do. White evangelicals have tended to vote for Republican candidates because of their stances on abortion and LGBTQ rights and their ability to appoint conservative judges. McCarthy says, but voters recently have appeared less convinced of the authenticity of Trump's religiosity and more concerned about moral issues like stewardship of the environment and treatment of immigrants at the border. And that's an opening for Joe Biden to move into the evangelical community because he's been a practicing Catholic his entire life and he has made his Catholicism the central part of his life and the central part of his political identity. I want to give you some straight talk today. Let's begin by looking, don't turn me off till you've heard me all. Let's begin today by looking at Matthew chapter 7. I want to give you just an overview. I, I don't have time. I wish we had an hour today, but we don't. Matthew chapter 7 begins with a series of verses about not judging. Verse 1 says, Judge not, that ye be not judged. How many times have we heard that? And we should. That's the word of the Lord. For with what judge, judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Those who judge are hypocrites. Verse 6, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn and tear you in pieces. So be very careful in this matter. Verse 7 is about asking, seeking, knocking. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Many sermons have been preached on that. I've preached a number of them myself. 
Verse 12 of that section of the chapter says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then in verse 13, there's a little segment of this chapter that talks about the narrow way. Chapter 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there and and there are many who go in it. 15, verse 15 and following through 20, talks about, You will know them by, your, by their fruits. Verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. You'll know them by what they do. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No, of course not. And then in verse 21, there is a small section in this chapter, verses 21, 22, and 23, where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And then the rest of the chapter is about building on the rock. I talked about that yesterday, in fact. It's so appropriate, it always is, but it's particularly poignant in the days in which we live when everything seems to be on fire and our very foundations of our culture are crumbling. I want to focus on verses 21, 22, and 23 as a context for what I want to talk about today. I I want to say right up front, my heart is not judging, but my mouth is going to speak to the issues because I believe God has nudge me to do so today. So stay with me, particularly if you're a new listener. When asked by the press this last week why Democrats and Republicans just can't resolve their differences, Speaker Nancy Pelosi took on a kind of a pharisaic look on her face. She said, it's a chasm because they do not share our values. It's a chasm. We're separated, she was saying, because the Republicans don't share our values. I would say to that, amen, hopefully. (laughs) Praise God if that's true. She said they don't believe in science. They don't believe in governance. As usual, her half-truth spoken with religious fervor. Almost like over the pulpit. Christians and conservatives do in fact believe in science and governance. And I think most of you listening, maybe all of you listening today, who are a biblical Christian, you know that. We believe in science. The first scientists recorded in history were Christian. They drew from their Christian faith. They drew from biblical reference. We believe in governance. God is not the author of confusion. We all know that. She knows that we know that. But no, we don't share her values. This political chasm that Pelosi notes is actually a spiritual one. It's not political, and yes, it's real. It's because the left 
the Christian left, and they have their own website, and I'll mention that in a moment. The Christian left have become quote unquote Christians of another faith. They have departed biblical truth and they have created their own doctrine, their own their own truth, and they have twisted scripture and God's word to affirm what they have decided to be truth and to even be the word of the Lord. And that's what Jesus was talking about in chapter 7. Make no mistake about it. Speaker of the House Pelosi told MSNBC this week, commentators say to me, why can't you resolve your differences? Because we're miles apart, she said. It's a chasm because they do not share our values. Later on, last Sunday, in fact, she sent a letter to the White House, to the members of the House of Representatives asking them to pray. She said, it's time for prayer. And she said, here's what I want you to pray. She sent a copy of the prayer she wanted them to pray. She called it a responsive prayer for justice. She asked every member of the House of Representatives to pray this prayer. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but you'll get, you'll get kind of the drift of it. In part, the prayer, well, it begins with, Dear Democratic Colleague. I don't think they're supposed to pray that, but anyway, it says that. And then she go. here is the cadence of what she's asking them to pray. Last Sunday, she said, pray for those who are hungry. Pray harder for those who will not feed them. Pray for those who cannot pay their bills. Pray harder for the wealthy who do not care. Pray for those who are homeless. Pray harder for those who deny them shelter. And it continues on that cadence all the way through every social issue that the Democrats and the Republicans are divided on. I don't know any Christian Republicans or just conservative Republicans that don't want to help the poor, that don't want to help people financially and economically and lift them out of the pit. The problem is that the Democrats see that bigger and bigger and bigger welfare programs, making people more and more dependent, is the answer to helping the poor or the people in need. The Republicans see, the conservatives see, more biblically so in regards to Jesus' teaching, they see that giving people opportunity is what the Bible is talking about. The parable of the talents is an example of that. This guy that was leaving town and giving his talents to various people wasn't saying, here's a gift. Uh, you know, this is kind of a handout. Come back next month and we'll give you more because you need it. He was saying, look, this is my wealth and I'm giving it to you and I want you to make something out of it in my absence. And the person that buried the talent and didn't invest it and try to make something more of it was actually criticized by Jesus in the parable. I know that's difficult talk, but that's the way it is. I mean, that is the truth. Pray for those who are hungry. Pray harder for those who will not feed them. There's more of that, but that's the cadence of the prayer. Bishop Thomas Thomas Tobin, he's the head of the diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, he called out self-professed Catholic Joe Biden Tuesday of this week, the head of the diocese. It was following Biden's announcement of Kamala Harris as his running mate on Tuesday. Tuesday evening, Bishop Tobin, 
tweeted this. I'm quoting his tweet. Bishop Tobin tweeted, Biden-Harris, first time in a while the Democratic ticket hasn't had a Catholic on it. Sad. Well, that got a lot of attention, and a lot of the Republicans were talking about it, as they probably should have been. But after seeing a headline in a Catholic newspaper with the phrase, pro-abortion Catholic, this same Bishop Tobin tweeted on May 7th, he said in a tweet, sorry, that's a contradiction in terms. You can't be a Catholic, at least not an authentic one, and be pro-abortion or pro-choice. It's the same thing. But if you go to Joe Biden's website, you see there in big bold print, I'm quoting from it, I'm a practicing Catholic. I believe faith is a gift. And the first obligation we have is to love your God. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Following his testimony of Christian faith, quote unquote, he lays out his works, his agenda, which includes strong support for abortion, which is murder, and homosexual marriage, which is an affront to God. It's an abomination to God. According to the Bible, it's an abomination to God. There's a variety of other practices and behaviors that are defined as immoral, disordered, and contrary, according to his own Catholic Church that he claims to be a devout follower of and a member of. As he celebrates his public support from Planned Parenthood and NARAL, an LGBTQ plus community, they all strongly endorse him. He tweeted in August of 2016, Proud to marry Brian and Joe. There was a picture of it on his Twitter. Joe Biden. Proud to marry Brian and Joe at my house. Couldn't be happier. Two longtime White House staffers. Two great guys. Biden tells America, I'm a devout Catholic. The Catholic Church says, tells America, no, he isn't. He's not at all. Catholic Church has also called out devout Catholic Nancy Pelosi, and I'm not going to get into that today, but it's a similar storyline. Some of some of the people in her own family who are Catholic, they're all Catholic, they've called her out and said, Mom, Mom, this isn't what the church believes. But they get so caught up in their political aspirations and their political desires and their political goals that Scripture becomes some kind of a an accessory to help get to the next point, to the next level, to the next power station in politics. Douglas Andrews wrote a pretty good article in the Patriot Post yesterday. He begins with, quote, if first impressions were serious ones, Kamala Harris might already be in trouble. In her first speech as Joe Biden's running mate, she came out of the gate with a reckless regard for truth. She did indeed. This is a preview of what's to come. How the media will either make it true by not questioning anything that Kamala or Joe says, or simply by affirming whatever they happen to say. And this is going to be the next 90 days or 80 days, whatever's left between now and the election in November. This is going to be a lot to do with values and religion and devout spirituality. Biden, a Catholic. Kamala Harris, a Protestant. 
The Wall Street editorial board addressed this whole thing several weeks ago. They had enough insight to see it. I hope that the church does as well. They noted that states dragging their feet regarding opening up all of these things are politically motivated. Everything is politically motivated. And they noted in their in the editorial board a publication from the Wall Street Journal, they noted that it's all tied to religious beliefs or claims of religious beliefs. Yesterday when um, Harris had the microphone as the vice presidential candidate, she blamed Trump for shuttered schools and millions of kids who cannot go to school, but it's not Trump's fault ultimately. The kids are shut out of school due to opposition from the teachers union and Democratic leaders who say it's unsafe, and maybe it is. I'm just saying, it isn't Trump that shut down the schools. Trump has been perhaps too aggressive in wanting them to reopen. There's more, but you get the idea of where this is going. Interestingly enough, Senator Harris and Senator Mazio Hirano, they argued that Brian Busher, he's a, currently a U.S. District Court judge in Nebraska, they argued here about a year or so ago, when he was up for, you know, he was being questioned by the committee. They they ruled and they voted against him because he was unfit to serve on the bench because he was a member of the Knights of Columbus, a Catholic organization. They didn't have a problem with the Catholic part of it, but they had a problem because he was a member of this Knights of Columbus and they oppose a woman's right to choose. And they ask him, Kamala Harris, ask him, Senator Kamala Harris, Ask this um, uh, this man, uh, Busher. She said, were you aware that the Knights of Columbus opposed a woman's right to choose when you joined the organization? In other words, while they profess this profound Christianity, and, and Kamala Harris does as well, they, on the other hand, use their political power to try to stop and to remove people who actually have a belief in pro-life. And this follows in every issue, and that's the chasm that Nancy Pelosi recognizes it, but she's blinded by her own spiritual ignorance. And so are a lot of other people in today's world. A speech that Harris gave at Atlanta's first congregational church on their 150th anniversary in 2017 gives a profile. I wrote an article on that today, and you can look at it, and you can read some of what she said. But her title, the title of her sermon or speech from the pulpit was let us have the courage to speak truth but they don't speak truth she spoke about the current threat to values and how we must speak the truth that when americans demand recognition that their lives matter or kneel to call attention to injustice that this is an expression of free speech protected by the constitution and they should not be bullied and all of this was wrapped up in scripture She was affirming, taking a knee. Lawlessness and all of this in the context of scriptural affirmation. Her beliefs are those of the so-called religious or Christian left with an emphasis on social justice and compassion rather than an emphasis on first and foremost a transformational experience where we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why there is a Christianity. 
because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what it's about. That's what Christianity is about. Yes, it touches every other, all of these issues, every other part of our lives. It speaks to borders, the Bible. It speaks to political integrity. It speaks to all of these issues. But the primary concern and the primary, the point of the spear of Christianity is not compassion. It's Jesus Christ and what will you do with him? Will you write him off as another prophet, a good man? They tried to do that even in New Testament times. Oh, he was a good rabbi, a good teacher, but he's not God. Well, he's either God or he's a liar. And he isn't that, that's for sure. Of course he's God. And while claiming that they embrace Jesus Christ, they are they embrace exactly the opposite of what he has what he taught in his time here on earth. So this is what we're faced with today, and Nancy is smart enough to recognize the chasm. She's not smart enough to figure out what it is because she's spiritually blind. I'm not judging, I'm simply speaking from the heart of a pastor on the basis of Scripture. And this is exactly what Jesus was talking about in chapter 7 of Matthew. What about the religious left? Who are these people? I mean, do they exist? Yes, they do. They have a website, christianleft.org. If you go to that website, if you click the little tab on there, homosexuality, they have a big picture of Jimmy Carter, and they quote him. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter says, Jesus never said a word about homosexuality. In all of his teachings about multiple things, he never said that gay people should be condemned. That, again, is a half-truth. Nobody condemns gay people. Christians don't. Jesus certainly didn't. He died for gay people so they could be transformed. He did not die to affirm them. Jimmy Carter should know better than that, but he doesn't. And that's what he's saying. So that is the banner that you see. President Carter is correct, they say, and contrary to what you've been taught, homosexuality is not a sin. They may be somewhat of a shock to you, but if you consider yourself a serious disciple of Jesus, you owe it to yourself to explore and discover this truth. And it goes on. If you want to call homosexuality a sin, go ahead. But you're going to have to admit that it is not biblically a sin. And on and on and on it goes about that, quoting scripture, the whole deal. If you click the little button on abortion, abortion, the first thing you read, ChristianLaugh.org, and that, all of these people subscribe to that. I mean, they're a part of that. If you if you if you click the tab abortion, abortion is is a made up issue designed to coalesce a right right wing political movement. It isn't even mentioned in the Bible unless you consider the obvious implications. Uh, excuse me, implications of the ordeal of the bitter water in Numbers chapter 5. Everyone has a right to make their own decisions about abortion, and we believe that if someone is against, against it, you shouldn't have one. But no one has the right to impose their beliefs on this topic on others, and it goes on and on, and it calls it a right-wing Christian, uh, Christian right-wing conspiracy just to gain power. And it talks about the late Jerry Falwell and others who brought all of this about. That's the belief system 
behind all of this. And we'll be talking more about that as we go forward in this very, very troubling and um, sometimes confusing environment that we live in.